Hello and welcome to The Book Album, your place for everything related to reading and language. I'm your host, Mackenzie Gentz. Now, bookmark that book and let's begin. Hello, hello and welcome to the show. Hello and herzlich willkommen zu unserem Podcast. Happy Halloween to those of you who are excited as I am for this wonderfully spooky holiday. I have of course been on a ginormous, very obvious hiatus this month as I'm transitioning back into some research and school and PhD applications, so there was a lot going on. And I needed to take a step back from the podcast. I hope you all can forgive me for delaying some of these horrifying classic episodes to the end of the month. I have done my very best to prepare great content for you. We've got an amazing lineup for horrifying classics this year, which will of course bleed into November, but we are reviewing today the very best of our what, seven years now, six years now of horrifying classics, and we're gonna go back and look at the back catalog and review some of those episodes, and then we will have an episode on Edgar Allan Poe's The Fall of the House of Usher. Yes, I know there is a Netflix series that was recently released. We're gonna talk about that. We're gonna talk about the short story. We're gonna talk about Edgar Allan Poe. It's going to be amazing. We're also going to be reviewing Holly by Stephen King. It is his newest book released on, I believe, September 5th of this year. So we're hot on the trail of this book. It's a 500-pager rager. (laughs) Um, And it was a great read, very disturbing. So we'll have a lot of content trigger warnings throughout, throughout that episode. And then ending, rounding out the series with Walden by Thoreau. Um, Also a very interesting read. I enjoyed that um, in the sense that it was something new and something very different from the other texts that I've read this year. And then leading into November, I have a lot of really exciting plans and I've already read most of the literature that I wanted to review throughout the end of the year. December Dickens, I can tell you right now, it's going to be amazing. We're going to read two very um, like classic amazing Dickens read. I believe they're both early Dickens to round out. We've almost reviewed every Dickens book, you guys. This is like a real accomplishment, I feel. But the Dickens books that we're going to be reading this year are Barnaby Rudge and The Pickwick Papers, both of which I have started and I'm really enjoying thus far. I think especially The Pickwick Papers has a lot to offer, and I can't wait to dive into that with you all in December. So let's talk about the structure of this episode. Of course, this is not what you all are expecting. We have had horrifying classics, series, podcasts, like this whole celebration of the month of October since the founding of this podcast in 2018. I founded this podcast in August of 2018, and of course, two months later, I had already pre-prepped a lot of the horrifying classics episodes 
for that month. So actually the horrifying classics episodes that I had pre-prepped, I wanted them to be a super compact short format with a lot of these classic reads that many people just don't read or forget about after high school. So we reviewed The Raven by Edgar Allan Poe, we reviewed Frankenstein for instance, um, we did some Ray Bradbury in there in that first season. And I retroactively titled this season Oldies and Goodies because it really like they were all, you know, at least 100 years old, like just like staples of this horrifying classics genre. And I felt like when I created the name horrifying classics for this series, I wanted that to be sort of the foundation for all of the rest of the series. The next year in 2019, I had never read a Stephen King book. I had a babysitter growing up who was obsessed with Stephen King. She always had a Stephen King paperback in her little purse and she was the sweetest old lady and now I'm wondering, there was so much dissonance between Stephen King's work and her sweetness and her disposition. So that's now a day's troubling. <laughs> but I had never read a Stephen King book and I thought, you know, we need to read like six classics. So I did like all of the, you know, baseline research I could. I wanted to read long length works, short length works from him, old and new. So what we did, we read books like Carrie, we read uh, the Mist, which is a short, like super short format work. Um, we read Misery, Pet Cemetery, The Shining. We read It as well in a series where I also had a guest on the show, which was very, very fun for me. And we got into Stephen King, and I feel like Stephen King is now a staple of the show since that second year of the podcast. And ever since then, I have pretty much always read a Stephen King book around this time, if not multiple. Um, I read 11-22-63, I think it's called, the one about the Kennedy assassination last year. And there were a couple of, of years where I also did Stephen King books as Patreon episodes. So for example, in 2021, I read two Stephen King books, Billy Summers and Art Pupil, as Patreon episodes. This year, of course, we're reintegrating horrifying classics plus Stephen King <laughs> into one like basket, which is really, really amazing. So that's 2019 with Stephen King. 2020, we did American Gothic. Um, it was not pure, like straight through American Gothic. It was some Irish Gothic, some like, you know, British leaning <laughs> Gothic. Um, but for example, we read Ray Bradbury's The October Country, one of my all-time favorite reads. Like if I were to put together a list of my like 50 favorite books that I've read in, in the literally like almost a thousand books that I've read in the last seven years, I, this would be on it. Like this would be in the top like upper, you know, what is that? 12, 15% of my book list. Um, so Ray Bradbury's The October Country, highly recommend. Um, we read The Crucible by Arthur Miller. That's a play and I 
thoroughly enjoyed it. Like I loved this dose of like puritanism and like craziness. Um, amazing read. Uh, Guy Endor's The Werewolf of Paris, Bram Stoker's Dracula, which is the Irish Gothic one. I was surprised and delighted by Dracula. Um, that, yeah, so those are the American Gothic themed reads for 2020. In 2021, we did contemporary horror. So I went out of my way, did a ton of research in the prep season of that uh, horrifying classics year and found books by emerging writers slash recently published books and wanted essentially to come out of that season with a different understanding of what the contemporary horror scene looks like especially when it comes to like sort of indie books or like authors who you are not gonna see at like the airport <laughs> and so some of them were total flops. Um, I remember Tidepool by Nicole Wilson. Well, we might get into some of these, but yeah, that was not like a book I super enjoyed reading. I th thought there were a lot of holes in it in terms of the plot and the execution. But two stars of that, there were like some real like diamonds in the rough. Um, Fake Like Me by Barbara Borland, who has become probably my favorite living author. Can I say that? Maybe not, but like maybe like top 10 <laughs> favorite living authors. Um, yeah, I mean, Joan Didion, Cormac McCarthy, like some of these recently passed authors really have hit my like understanding of like the living authors scene. So anyway, uh, X Course aside, Barbara Borland, amazing. Fake Like Me is amazing book it it was like flooring like i could not put it down um come with me by ronald malfi amazing like the execution was amazing storyline was amazing a horrifying book so well written yeah um and we also read the doll master and other tales of terror by joyce carol oates amazing like amazing short stories um i love how how dark and sinister they are honestly <laughs> because Joyce Carol Oates, you do get that from a lot of her other works, especially her sort of like family drama type of works, but it just hit different when I read this short story collection. So 2021, we read psychological thrillers, or wait, sorry, 2022, <laughs> we read psychological thrillers. Um, so that's where the 112263, that's very loose in terms of the genre, but we read Gesichter by Tobi Ditlitzen. That's a German translation of, I think, a Swedish author, Nordic author, um, who's known for kind of these psychological type of books. We read The Guest List by Lucy Foley, amazing audio uh, transcription of that one, and Verity by Colleen Hoover, flooring book, very interesting. Uh, and We Were the Mulvanese by Joyce Carol Oates, also just like a piece de resistance when it comes to um, these kind of like familial psychological thrillers. And this year for Horrifying Classics 2023, our sixth year on the job here, I had honestly planned to do some American romanticism, maybe go into transcendentalism a little bit, maybe even review books like Moby Dick, or uh, Walden was on the list from the very beginning, honestly, Scarlet Leather, um, Scarlet Letter, <laughs> Blythdale Romance, 
a little bit more of pose work maybe uh eureka comes to mind that's a nonfiction work it's his last work that he ever sort of like published debuted uh, it was originally a two and a half hour long lecture from him that was published and the lecture was called the universe but it was published kind of word for word or very close to that as eureka a prose poem um the year he died so there's just kind of there's so much out there, especially when it comes to American Romanticism that we haven't explored since that very first year. And then when I had the realization that I needed to take a couple weeks back from the podcast, I decided to take this year and do A, some things that can kind of tie together this horrifying classics genre or like collection or library of books that we've done in the past but also maybe to kind of reflect and take some time and sit with all that we've done um and you know if we've read five books per year um that's now almost 30 books um just for horrifying classics in the last six years which is more than some people read in six years so you know, it's, it's that, like, there is a part of this particular year that I think is going to be really beautiful in taking a step back and celebrating small wins. I don't know if you all do that at all, but I am terrible at celebrating small wins and celebrating big ones. So we're going to practice together celebrating small wins for this series and see where the wind takes us. So tangents aside, let's talk about the overview of this episode. I'm going to talk a little bit about the beginnings of Horrifying Classics, what I do to prepare normally for the series, and I think more broadly for any of our special series in general. We've done a lot over the years, like December Dickens, I've already mentioned, and there's a the summer YA reads <laughs> series that we started a couple years ago. There's a couple of other like one-off series that I prepare a bit differently, like the Infinite Jest series comes to mind. So we'll get into all that background. And then I'm going to talk about like my all-time favorites from horrifying classics, books that stick with me despite having read them up to like six years ago. <laughs> Um, and books that I would recommend for you all as you do your own reflection and do your own uh, interesting explorations during this very lovely fall season with all the leaves and everything of that nature. So let's get into it. In terms of prep, I do a deep dive on Patreon if you sort through all of my Patreon episodes, um, and I'll talk a little bit more about prep, what happened this year in particular, all of that on the Patreon episode for the month of October, which I will post before the end of the month. Uh, but in terms of how I prep on a normal year, the prep work really starts in the summer. Um, for some series, I will know a long time in advance, sort of a general idea or outline for what I want to do. For example, for the Stephen King year, 
I knew basically as soon as I finished Horrifying Classics 2018 from the previous year that I wanted to do Stephen King for the following year. Um, and so I did all of my prep work and research in the summer, bought the books, um, read them, <laughs> you know, sometimes multiple times if, if they needed um, that. So for example, I remember like Pet Cemetery was a particularly like nitty gritty read for me. Like I just, I needed more time with it than the others. It, however, like I read really quickly. So it just depends on the book. It depends on the time that I read the book, whether the book is kind of clashing with the stuff that I want to read or the stuff that would really benefit me to read and all of that. So I normally would start prep work June, July before October and ideally have all the books read before mid-September because then I can start pre-prepping and pre-recording the episodes, compiling notes, talking to other people about the books. This is kind of an undervalued step in my mind. Like, reading doesn't have to be this lonely endeavor. That's one of the core, like, thesis statements of this podcast is that reading can also be something that brings communities of people together and it doesn't have to be something that you just like hole up in your little cave and do. Um, it can be if you want, but it doesn't have to be. And so I think that's something that I really wanted to emphasize also with horrifying classics is that like also there's so many lovely genres where people can really come together and express and share their love of certain books and certain genres. So I also, in prepping for Horrifying Classics, often would talk to people about what the Horrifying Classics was that year, if they had read any books, what they thought about them, and I'm sure that if you look back at those episodes, you'll be able to hear different comments that I make about, oh, this friend said this, or I've heard this, or even going on communities, for example, online, and sh expressing and sharing and researching how different audiences have taken that book in. So I find that an extremely important piece in the prep work. I normally, uh, you know, in a normal situation, I will prep at least two weeks. Uh, I'm comfortable at three weeks of episodes for um, upcoming weeks. So I usually am like three weeks ahead of recording. Sometimes that fluctuates, for example, right now, fluctuating tremendously week to week. Um, but as a general rule, that's kind of my happy spot. And so if I get to the first week of October and the entire month is reported, then that's kind of my goal. There are some months where I'm reading six, seven books for horrifying classics, and that can, you know, value that can fluctuate and really like vary tremendously. Um, some months where it's like longer books, for example, like I remember last October, we read four books, very normal month for the show, so I was able to prepare those episodes kind of as the weeks came. But of course, like, you can't really do anything if you haven't read the book <laughs> before the week um, arrives. So that's, that's kind of the, the main piece is that I have to make sure that I'm reading very, very soon for a lot of the books. Usually by like mid-September, as I said, I will have read all of them or almost all of them. 
if there's a bonus episode, I often do a bonus episode on Halloween, then there will be sort of an extra book that I have to fit in somewhere, maybe beginning of October. And I might mention even in some of those episodes where I'm at with my reading. You can kind of see like how pre-prepped I am that year <laughs> from what I mentioned that I'm reading. Um, so yeah, it just it, there's a tremendous variation. Life varies. But again, as a general rule, it's nice to have all the books read before Horrifying Classics. Um, some books I had read before, so it was not my first read of them. In those cases, it takes me a lot less time to prep the episodes because I'm a lot more familiar with the material and maybe I can even add more like biographical information or more like anecdotes and things. Um, and in those cases, the reading isn't the main like target, it's the episode prep and the research that goes into the episodes. Frankenstein pops out in my mind for that. And in terms of why I started Horrifying Classics, um, I've just always loved gothic stuff. I've always loved like this time of year, Halloween. Um, October is a historically like extremely busy month for me. Um, this month, like not accepting at all. <laughs> um, and it's just, it's like, that's, be that's been part of my vibe and part of my persona, I guess, since I was probably in like grade school, middle school. Um, I remember when I was in grade school, we did one of those book competitions and each person in the class had like a mobile, like with stars and it, they were hanging from the ceiling. We were able to gain stars on our mobile to hang down with every like 10 books that we read, you know? So if we read 10 books, we got a little star to hang. If it was 25, we got a like medium star. If it was 50, a big star, 100, and so on and so forth. Um, I am extremely competitive. So <laughs> um, I just took that challenge so seriously. I remember um, I especially loved the Goosebumps books by R.L. Stein. I read probably 50 Goosebumps alone that year, like in fifth grade. Um, it was my jam. And so, you know, ever since that like very formative <laughs> age, reading Goosebumps, I read it before bed too. I, I'm like astounded now. I could never do that <laughs> now. But, you know, even at that like very formative age, this sort of horrifying classics, like the horror genre, the very like spooky vibes, that's all been a part of me. Um, and something that I wanted to have represented in a big way on the podcast. And so that's why we've been doing horrifying classics. It also helps me discover new books and have sort of a, a venue to discover and showcase and share new books that are lovely as in the case of our contemporary horror um, show in 2021, for example. Like, it was just a big showcase of a lot of just new books that I hadn't heard of, new authors I haven't heard of, um, and it's led to some really cool avenues, like with Barbara Borland. I'm about to review her newer book. Um, I think it was published in 2022, like last year in the fall. 
Um, it's called The Force of Such Beauty. We're going to review that. Um, and we've read all of her books thus far. She has a fourth one coming out soon. Um, so authors like that that are becoming more and more recognizable on the podcast as mainstays. Um, authors like Stephen King, too, in that sense, um, have really become a part of like the core identity of this show. Um, and that's something that I look back on and I'm really happy about and really pleased about. I know that horror isn't everybody's genre, and it's becoming like less and less of my genre over time. But I do think that it's nice to have some of these minority genres represented. Um, I also love that about December Dickens. Like, who reads Dickens nowadays for fun, you know? And who, like, <laughs> who gets the Dickens vibes in December? Like, I do now, you know? And our show does now. Um, and I think that's something really lovely to be able to reinvigorate the past and reinvigorate great literature, literature that changed the world, literature that changed writing. Um, and in that way, like, to be able to share something very substantive together. I love that about our little series that we've done. And to round out the episode, I'm going to talk about some of my favorites, <laughs> maybe some flops. I don't want to like out any authors because I think if you're a published author, okay, you've done way better than me. <laughs> like I've written two books and I'm writing my third all unpublished, okay? So like like self-published, it doesn't matter. If you're published, you're doing better than me. So I just want to like say that as a blanket statement um, before anybody gets mad that I'm like outing authors or something like that. That's not my intention here. Um, but I do think it's kind of funny to talk about um, met and unmet expectations <laughs> with some of these. Um, and this is all just in fun. Like I would recommend that you read any of the books that we've read for horrifying classics, even those that I haven't enjoyed, uh, because every book I really feel can bring you something, and if you have the time and the motivation to do it, why not just read it? You might learn something. I'm sure that I took away things, even from books that I detested after I... Detest is a really strong word. Even from books that I didn't like, um, you know, when I looked back retrospectively at the read, so I'm just saying this as a disclaimer because I'm not a book snob. <laughs> I really do love even some of the sketchier books that we've read um, on the show. Um, so 2018 Oldies and Goodies, Frankenstein I've mentioned a couple times already. Um, that's a book that I could read over and over again. The ending of Frankenstein, nobody talks about, and it's amazing. <laughs> like, why don't we talk about the ending of Frankenstein? The ending of Frankenstein is Frankenstein's monster heading off into the snow, into the distance. He's going on his little, like, solo voyage, basically. Why don't we talk about this? I mean, it's amazing. Like, what an amazing last picture. At least that's the last picture I have in my head. I haven't read Frankenstein in six or seven years. Um, so that's the last picture I have of the book in my head. May or may not be completely 100% accurate, but that goes to say, number one problem, Frankenstein's monster is conflated with Frankenstein. And this is a quote-unquote problem that's, I think, quite intentional on Shelley's part because Frankenstein the doctor and Frankenstein the monster are two sides of the same coin. Um, there's sort of this inner outer world that's in conflict. 
they're, it's amazing. And, you know, things that where people come into contact with Frankenstein and kind of investigate and discover what he is, people who are on hunt for the monster, like there's just a lot of detailed spiritual and sort of psychological toying with that's going on. Um, and it's a wonderful, wonderful exploration into um, our human condition, what makes us human, what we identify as other and why, um, and also our short-sightedness when it comes to things like that. So I think it's a really informative, lovely read. I would highly recommend it. I honestly, talking about it, I'm like, I need to read this book again. Um, so Frankenstein, lovely read. Uh, another book that does stick out in my mind is Something Wicked This Way Comes by Bray, Bad Bray Bradbury. I um, had read a couple of Bray Bradbury books in school and I think that, I think that I knew kind of some of Ray Bradbury's avoir. I think I was aware of his style of writing and things, but I, like, this book hit me like a slap in the face because it was so good and it was so enveloping the way that he describes like the fall, the way that he describes like the electricity in the air, um, like at the carnival. I mean, it just, it changed the way that I read and it changed the way that I looked at um, books around, you know, Ray Bradbury. Um, so yeah, I, I would say that, especially when I read his short story collection a couple years later, um, it just completely shifted my understanding of like how short stories function and operate. Um, it's like reading Hemingway for the first time, you know, Hemingway and his like one page, <laughs> like killer short stories. They're amazing, you know, and the way that he's able to pack in as much information and image and drama into one page, like that just changes the way that a person reads um, and it certainly changed the way that I read um, so Ray Bradbury I would highly recommend I mean something wicked is a novel of his but October Country which we reviewed a couple years later um, I think maybe impacted me in a bigger way because I was just really paying attention to what mechanically was going on in his short stories um, and the images in them are just so like horrifying and brutal, um, but he was able to execute them in a way that kept people's attention um, and didn't force them to turn away. So 2019 Stephen King, um, I would say that The Shining um, definitely was a read that messed with my expectations. I had seen the film and that's what really got me. <laughs> so the film version of The Shining, pretty different from the book, um, especially when it comes to certain like alive hedge animals. Um, I just was, especially near like the last maybe third of The Shining, I really had a hard time getting through it. it that doesn't mean I didn't enjoy it. It just, the expectations were completely different from what the book ended up being and it took me, I remember it just took me forever. I had like 200 pages left or something and I just sat down on my couch and I was like, 
I'm gonna read this until it's done because <laughs> I can't wait any longer. Um, so, I mean, I would say if I were to do it again, I would just go into reading The Shining and pretend that I didn't know anything about it and like maybe get myself into the story a bit more because that was my problem was, is I was like, this isn't the story that I've been telling myself I was gonna read. Um, and there's definitely like a big mismatch of like the images that I had in my head for example, from the movie, and then from the actual book. There are a lot of amazing Stephen King books though, and The Shining is amazing. Like, I would recommend, not my favorite, um, I loved, for example, I love Pet Cemetery. Like, that's a tremendous read. It was so good. I love how um, Stephen King really explores character um, with the old neighbor um, in that book. And I really love the way that um, all of the plot kind of meanders along, meanders along, and then there's kind of little explosions <laughs> that happen. I, I really love that. The Mist was a very unexpected one for me. It's a short Stephen King book, like, I don't know, maybe 150 pages or so. And it's terrifying. Like, the way that it's set up, I read it in one sitting, it's very readable. Uh, pacing is great. Um, that, I mean, I came in with no expectations and I was blown away. Um, and it was a read that I would highly recommend for like <laughs> elements of style type of purpose where you're looking at, okay, how is he setting up the pacing, the characterization in such a short like novella-like format. Um, and that's a book that I learned a lot from that year, learning how to kind of compactly introduce things into a book-like work. The next year, 2020, American Gothic. I really love The Crucible. I, I went on and on about this earlier, um, but I don't usually review plays. We have reviewed Shakespeare before um, on the podcast, uh, probably like 2019, 2020 thereabouts. I think we read The Taming of the Shrew. We have not read my favorite Shakespeare book, which is Oedipus Rex, possibly not even Shakespeare, um, which I totally like leave open to Shakespeare scholars to determine. But yeah, I mean, we're, it's difficult to read a play for a podcast. Um, I did my best to treat it similarly to some of the novels, but keeping in mind that it's just a completely different format, like a format that's meant to be played out on stage rather than like read like a script. And so that that presented new challenges that I learned a lot from as a podcaster and also as a reader. Like um, I didn't read it with the audio component. Um, I read sections of it, went back and kind of, you know, analyzed a little bit of the plot and things like that, characterization. Um, I remember the ending of that being particularly miresome. Um, but ultimately a huge growing experience and a huge learning experience. I really enjoy like just reading the play, honestly. Um, that's not something that I like do in my everyday reading. <laughs> so I really enjoyed that part of it, that it was a break from routine. Also Dracula, hilarious. I remember like laughing out loud about how ridiculous the story is. And then later, of course, you know, how impactful it became. Um, there's just like 
some really ridiculous stuff in Dracula. Um, I am loath to forget some of the specifics at this moment, but go back, listen to my Dracula episode. I'm sure uh, if I listened back to it, I would have a ton of fun remembering all of these like weird plot points. I just remember like Dracula is so weird, <laughs> like not weird in like a spooky way, but weird in like a <laughs> come on dude kind of way. Like a we weird as in like somebody that you would like see out in public and like maybe walk past, like just somebody like maybe like breaking social norms in a way that's like really unexpected. <laughs> so yeah, I remember like my expectations for Dracula was were that he was like this, you know, stern, like kind of very aggressive, like reserved figure. Um, and he ends up being kind of a goof, an unexpected goof, and we'll leave it at that. <laughs> Um, so for the 2021 contemporary horror series, Fake Like Me blew me away. I, I'm not going to talk about that book anymore. It's had a lot of screen time on this episode already. Barbara Borland, check her out. We reviewed her first book, I'll Eat When I'm Dead, earlier this year, and we're going to re review her third book, as I said, in a couple weeks probably. Um, I also read Billy Summers as a Patreon episode that year, and it was so great. Like, I really loved Billy Summers. I remember, like, reading it as I was transitioning back into, you know, my new apartment in Chicago. It was just, like, a very uh, relaxing, amazing read. Um, I really liked the character of Billy Summers. I thought he was very relatable. Um, and just so, like, wicked smart. Like, so, like... He really was able to pull off a lot in that book, um, Stephen King. So really, really enjoyed that as a Patreon read. For 2022, my psychological thrillers uh, adventure. Um, I mean, I really loved 112263. My partner, John, has been talking about that book since we met. Um, he was shocked and horrified that I hadn't read it. Um, and I think that like, I ultimately got a lot out of the experience of reading it and kind of having those like previous expectations in my mind beforehand certainly helped kind of my motivation for getting through it. It's a really long book. It's really intense like most of the way through um, and for me like some of those really intense reads I just need like a pause. Um, so I was really really glad to read that to get a lot from it. Also Verity by Colleen Hoover. Um, this is like a romance thriller novel. It was, it caught me by surprise, <laughs> honestly. Um, it's very explicit, so if you're a younger reader or don't like the romance genre, like maybe skip this one. Um, just because it's like, it's explicit to the point of being pornographic in some senses, and I, I want to be careful with that label because I am not somebody who like I don't know, I'm not a lawyer, you know, I can't like determine legally what's pornographic or not, but it's like very, very like fan fiction-y, what I imagine to be fan fiction-y, like specific um, imagery. <laughs> so that's why it caught me by surprise. I did not realize when I picked up this book how explicit it was gonna be. Um, so that, uh, now I look back and I'm like, that's hilarious. Like, that's so funny. Um, but 
<laughs> at the time I was a little bit shell-shocked <laughs> like oh my gosh this is a crazy crazy read um all of the plot and everything characterization like it's on point like Colleen Hoover did a great job with this book um and it continues to be a book where I look back on it and I'm like I really enjoyed reading it like I, I just and I'm sure that comes through in the episode. I remember specifically recording that episode and thinking to myself, like, I really enjoyed this book. This was kind of a star in that, in that year. And we are arriving at this year. So um, I read Holly by Stephen King this past month when it came out. Um, it is extremely, as I said in the beginning, it's extremely disturbing. Uh, I did not pace myself. I wanted to just get through the book. Um, not in the sense of it was something bad and I needed to just like power through. It's because it was a lot. Um, and I wanted to read the book um, at a pace that was quick so that I could uh, process, honestly. Um, there's some really adult um, graphic themes and imagery in that book. Um, but I mean, the characterization is superb. The elderly couple who end up being, spoiler alert, like the killers um, in this case are like extremely complex. And Holly Gibney, who's the main star of this book, um, also totally like amazingly um, written out and explored like I really enjoyed a lot of those um, elements of the book um, so I would say Holly that's a big star of this year um, I look forward to reviewing that book I'm kind of in the middle it's it's weeks after I've read it and I'm still processing um, and there's just so many things like that I find that are different from some of the like other Stephen King books that I've read like the scope is much broader this is like a continuation of a longer series of his of detective like fiction um so yeah there's just a lot of things that I'm continuing to process and con continuing to understand about Holly and would like to research further before I get into detail in the episode um, also we read, um, we're going to read Walden and I'm super excited for that I think there's a lot of more like you know, upper eschaton, like philosophical things that we can get into. Um, that's something that we haven't done in the Horrifying Classics series before. I've wanted to stick to like very fun reads <laughs> and Walden is I think a more serious one. Um, and something that's maybe like distinctly different from the other reads that I've mentioned, at least today on the show. And with that, I am going to leave you all to your speculations about how the rest of Horrifying Classics this year is going to go. I hope you enjoyed this review and reflection on Horrifying Classics. I hope I wasn't too brutal on any of the books. Um, I honestly love this platform. I love reading. It's been a joy to have been um, granted the gift of being able to prepare these six years of Horrifying Classics episodes. Thank you for your patience as I've worked through all of my life changes and various things that have been happening this October. I'm grateful that you are still in the audience, still listening, and I hope that you have a wonderful spooky season and that you are as pumped as I am for the next three Horrifying Classics episodes for this year.
If you enjoyed the episode and would like to hear more from us, we've done everything from Shakespeare to Dracula. There really is a show and a series for everyone, so I'd recommend checking out our website at relevanceofliterature.com under the ongoing series tab for links to our entire back catalog of episodes, as well as any current goings-on of our show. If you are looking for even more content, we also have a Patreon page at patreon.com slash relevanceofliterature. Thank you so much for your support, and we'll see you next time.